Are the Ten Commandments laws to live by, or are they more like guidelines? Welcome to the Wikipedia podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to be going over the guidelines that were put up by Joseph Francis Fletcher. But first, we want to tell you a little bit about Enemies Within the Church. Enemies Within the Church is a, a movie, a documentary that came out. And it really does go and expose what has happened and infiltrated the church concerning Marxism and wokeism as it's come into the church. And a great team of men came and put this, this great documentary together. In fact, I am honored to be joined by uh, two men who are both in this movie. And uh, that's, that's with Kyle Witt and Micah Sample. You guys probably know them as the second and third. I'll, I'll let them kind of duke it out which one it is. Uh, favorite hosts of uh, the Wikipedia podcast and radio show. Um, but just some exciting news before I turn it over to them. Enemies within the church just is putting out Blu-ray, Blu-ray DVDs. And so if, if you are ready to upgrade from the VHS version, no, 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 <laughs> just kidding. No, nobody's got the VHS version, but if you're, if you're ready to go up and, and just have an incredible experience, go ahead and get the, Blu-ray at enemieswithinthechurch.com. How are you guys doing today? Doing really mm. well, Pastor Sam. It's uh, it's great to be here. Great to be talking with you guys today. Um, and uh, it looks like we're going to have an interesting situation um, as we uh, as we go and talk about situational ethics. I'm sorry, I, I had to do it. Kyle's rolling his <laughs> eyes over here, but uh, you, you can't go through and and uh, not have at least one pun in one of our episodes. You guys should know us better than that. Puns are the spice of life. Uh, but Sam, I'm going to have to call you out on something. You said the Blu-ray DVD. Uh, did I really say that? You said Blu-ray really DVD. Uh, now, I'm just waiting for the... Five, give us five-star reviews, too. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm just waiting for the laser version to come out. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, if you want to see us <laughs> release a laser disc version of Enemies Within the Church... Contact us at contactwikipedia at gmail.com and we'll get it going. We'll also get you, you know, guys the cassette version as well. Actually, I would be thoroughly impressed if they did a uh, VHS version. Um, mm. Do you think it'd have to be like on two VHSs? Do you remember how like you had to do that if the movie was long? Ooh, yeah. Enough? It might be because I think that those VHSs only went up to a certain amount. So. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely several movies where I, I used to have like a part one and a part two for the same movie. Um, Did you know yeah, they, they had the HD VHSs? Really? What? Like, and they, yeah, 1080p? and they were actually like legitimately HD quality. Really? Yeah, Weird. they just came wow. out way too late to, to make any dent. There's your fun yeah. fact uh, of the day, folks. Yeah, that I mean. DVD outdid them, huh? That's pretty awesome. Um, but just speaking of enemies within the church. The face of that film is Pastor Kerry Gordon, and he can give us a lot of insight, I think, 
into what situation ethics is, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you, did, you guys didn't pick that up, by the way, <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever actually announced what we're talking about, but uh, <laughs> it, it's situation ethics. And uh, all you need is love is kind of their their slogan and their motto. Uh, it's also the Beatles slogan and model, which kind of came out at the same time. But uh, it, it, anyway, uh, Pastor Kerry Gordon defined situation ethics this way. And I, I want to know what you guys think of this definition, because uh, th- this is how I got this definition. One night I, I was sitting at, at, at my kitchen table, dining room table, and, and I was writing up. Uh, actually, it, it was a script for a TV show that I was doing. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to get a definition for situation ethics and in, 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 in not just a, you know, okay, what does Webster's Dictionary say? But, but what does somebody who's an expert on situation ethics say? And so I text Pastor Kerry and, and he, this is what he sent back to me in a text message. And so, I mean, it took up like four text messages and, you know, how sometimes they, they just come in like one after another. And, and I'm going like, this is epic. Okay. Uh, but, but I want to get you guys' take on it. This is what he said. What is situation ethics? Where a person temporarily turns their back on God's law during a particular situation where it is assumed that if they obey it will not produce the preferred outcome. The subjective act of situationism is nearly always dishonestly described as choosing the most loving thing to do after a flawed and sinful person presumes to pass judgment against God's perfect law declaring it too harsh for application in a particular situation. What do you guys think about that definition? I think that's a, that's absolutely a mic drop right there. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it cuts through the fat of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, what he's talking about is what it really looks like in real life to apply situational ethics. I mean, there's the theory of situational ethics, um, which is linked to it, but what, what is the real motivation behind it? That's what pastor Kerry um, really gets at with this. And I think that he's 100% spot on, spot on. I mean, the only reason that you would want to, um, invoke situational ethics would be if you, um, it would really be if, if there's an objective standard that you want to bypass. Uh, and that's why it's called situational ethics, because it's saying in this situation, we have the justification now to, uh, bypass the usual rules. Um, and treat them more like guidelines. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my take on that. That's that's really really good stuff. Well, and, not good stuff in the sense ed- that you don't want to be a situation <laughs> ethicist, but Pastor Carey's definition of it's really good. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, in situation ethics. One of the things that's really important about this is I, I have found that almost everybody is trained to think like a situation ethicist. I mean, that's. The way that they approach uh, moral dilemmas is almost always in the paradigm of situation ethics, which it's really important then to address this, even though people probably haven't heard of it, that they've heard of a lot of the ideas that are associated with it. Like uh, the ends always justify the means. Well, is that the most loving thing to do? Um, How many people are helped by this? Those are the kind of questions that people ask all the time when they're, they're going into a moral dilemma as to what they should do. And the problem is, is that the Bible actually teaches something much different. It teaches you should think of a moral dilemma of what's right and what's wrong. What did God say is good? What did God say is bad? We should go and be looking to that. Now, of course, God is objective. 
we, we know that, that that God is just. We know that God is 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 wise. We 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 understand these things. So there are reasons that go behind these things uh, as to why He says something's good and why something's bad. But ultimately, we look to our the moral arbiter to find out what's right and what's wrong. That's right. And, and it's it's amazing though how many people are caught up in situation ethics. They've never heard of it. They've never mm-hmm. heard of Joseph Fletcher. They've never heard of this kind of stuff. But I do just want to want to point out the four main things because it was a mouthful what Pastor Kerry gave as a definition. So let me kind of uh, really shorten it down to four quick statements. It's first of all, there's a rejection of God's law. What God says is right and wrong. A situationist comes in and they say, "I'm rejecting that." Now, they might outright reject it, say, I don't want to listen to it. I'm going to get away from God's law. But they also might reject it in this way of just going and saying, it's not going to go into my decision-making what God has said. Yeah. The second thing is, is that it's rooted in a subjective preference. Ultimately, what they're going and saying is, I, I, I want to know what the situation is going to produce and what I want out of that situation. And that's how I'm going to approach the moral dilemma. The third thing is, it's nearly always described as doing the most loving thing. Love, which is not defined by the situationists, is always the driving force in situationism. And the fourth thing is, is that God's standard is judged as too harsh. It's that, you know what, uh, God, you know, he, he goes and he says that it's it's wrong to murder a child. And I know that's that sounds crazy, but uh, to, to some people that it would be wrong to murder a child. No, actually, when you put it that way, most people go, well, it's not murder because they, then they try to say that it's not a child. But the reality of it is, is that that's what abortion is. Or, uh, yeah. you know, God says it's wrong for a man and a man to be together in a sexual way. And so people go, well, but but they're just really nice people. <laughs> well, that, that doesn't work because God has spoken to this. God has spoken to this. But... I, I want you to realize these are the four main things. There's a rejection of God's law. It's rooted in subjective preference. It's nearly always described as doing the most loving thing. And God's standard is judged as too harsh. Yep. And then they come up with just a terrible, terrible ethic. Which, of course, Joseph Fletcher is the one who came up uh, with this ethic. Do, you know, do you guys know anything about Joseph Fletcher? What, what do you guys tell, tell me about Joseph Fletcher? Well, well, Joseph he's a bad Fletcher, man. But yeah, well, first and foremost, there's that. But um, I mean, there's a couple of interesting things about him. I mean, he started yeah. off um, basically pretending to be a Christian, um, and his whole his whole idea was this. I mean, he, he was gonna he was going to profess Christ and then try to basically change everything about um, his, his system of ethics to be an exception to everything that Christ actually said. Um, so um, just in terms of who he was, he he went to West Virginia University, Berkeley Divinity School in Yale um, and the London School of Economics, and he taught Christian ethics at Harvard. Um, so he, he was a teacher of what he called Christian ethics. And so this was the theory that really went under the guise of the of the name of Christ. Um, so he was a popular lecturer, very popular lectured at, uh, we have over 450 different universities. Um, and he authored 11 books, 350 articles. He was a well-published author. Um, he be, he was becoming well-known within his own lifetime, which 
is not something that can be said for very many people, but it could be said for Joseph Fletcher. Um, now, Joseph Fletcher, um, in his in his uh, situation ethics, he teaches essentially um, that everything that we do should be centered on love. But the thing is, he defines love incorrectly and improperly. So, Kyle, um, I don't know. Do do you have something to uh, to add to that? Something you want to uh, riff on there? Well, I I just like to clarify for people when he was active. Uh, he was active in teaching in the mid to later uh, 20th century, uh, died in 1991. Uh, he couldn't stand that I was born. So, <laughs> but but that's that's kind of the, the time frame and the situation he was, not situation, he was operating <laughs> in. And it was really the, he had a huge impact on post-war culture. Yeah, and especially when we're talking about uh, you know the, the hippie culture, the '60s and '70s. Uh, we've already mentioned the Beatles. We already mentioned uh, love. Uh, you can put free love in there, and you can start to see the environment that he was both shaping and being further shaped by. Uh, but it also gives you a little bit of a, a window into the fruits of his teaching. Mm. You, you, you know, here's a quote from Fletcher, but, you know, talking about all this just to to, to kind of show who Fletcher was. And it, and it is interesting because you guys point out rightly that, that he was, you know, presenting himself as a as a Christian ethicist. He was teaching at a Christian school, he, even though he ended up going and becoming an atheist and still continued teaching Christian ethics at, at a seminary, which is, you know, just incredibly crazy. But uh ah. He, he said this, um, and this is in a debate uh, with uh, John Warwick Montgomery, which, which by the way, if, if you read the, the debate, um, I, I think if you're objective and, and you're non-biased about it, I think actually Fletcher won the debate. Fletcher's wrong, but I think he did win the debate uh, because uh, Montgomery actually went into situation ethics, and then once he did that, Fletcher just re- repeatedly pounded. On, on Montgomery. But anyway, he said this in the debate. Jesus was a simple Jewish peasant. He had no more philosophical sophistication than a guinea pig. And I don't turn to Jesus for philosophical sophistication. Wow. That was Fletcher's view of Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's that's one of the key things that people need to take away from this is that um, when you see people who claim to be Christian in these university settings, they're not always actually Christian. And this is one of the most influential non-Christian Christians, quote unquote, of them all. Um, one of the things when you say that, Sam, it brings to mind something that was mentioned in the film Enemies Within the Church. Again, go to enemieswithinthechurch.com um, to view our film um, or to buy one of our DVDs um, or to buy one of the uh, future Blu-rays that are coming out. Uh, Joseph Fletcher. That are not DVDs. Um, yeah, that are not DVDs. Joseph Fletcher helped to set up Planned Parenthood in the Right to Die Society. Um, yep. Trevor Loudon points that out in the film. And um, in fact, not only did he set up the Right to Die Society, but he claimed in his situation ethic that um, there's nothing wrong with the use of euthanasia 
on children with Down syndrome. So not yeah. only was it like, okay, abortion is okay, so that form of murder is okay, but even when it comes to children up to the age of eight or, or nine years old, he was totally fine with killing them for the purpose of eugenics. So he was a eugenicist, yep. and he was yep. justifying eugenics. I mean, what what Fletcher is really known for is founding the field of bioethics. And so we see his anti-Christian, quote-unquote Christian, ethic um, in uh, in practice when it comes to uh, his medical views. I mean, the reality is this. His his personal life um, was littered with these sorts of things. His, his first wife, Forrest Hatfield Fletcher, worked closely with Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood. Um, he had a huge hand in shaping um, the society that would come to embrace death. Uh, he was, yeah. uh, in many ways, the author of the death ethic, um, is, is sort of how I would put it. Um, nasty, nasty guy. He obviously used it to justify things like abortion. It's still used today. I mean, if you think about it, mm -hmm. when people try to justify abortion, how do they do it? Well, they try to point to this situation or that situation, or what if in the case of rape or what if in the case of, um, the mother's life is at risk or something like that. It's always a situation in which they're trying to get you to break God's standard every yep. time. And that comes straight from him. And, um, that was replete throughout his life. You know, just before we get into these these four presuppositions of uh, situation ethics, which really are, are foundational to wokeism, I, I want to read yeah. one more quote uh, to you guys from Fletcher. And th this quote is also from uh, the, the same debate against uh, John Warwick Montgomery. And uh, well, I'll just read it and, and let it stand for itself, but, but really pay attention to what he's saying. Situationism results in such a characteristic propositions as that we ought to live by the law of love and never by any love of law. It holds that love ethics is infinitely superior to law ethics so that chastity and not virginity, for example, is the Christian norm and unmarried love is infinitely superior to married love. <laughs> he's just pulling that straight out of um, he, he's just pulling that out of thin air is what he's doing. I mean, this idea well, that unmarried love is superior to married love. That's nowhere to be found in scripture. How does he call this Christian? You yeah, know, I've it, heard that from Christians and Christian churches uh, in modern times quite often. Yeah. So, so well, and, and I think that's, that's a really good point to to bring up Kyle, because this is one of the instances where that idea has developed is in uh, the same sex attracted mm. area mm -hmm. um, where I, I, I'm trying to remember who it was who, who really made this argument majorly that it's, it, it's much more Christian and much more noble to be a celibate same sex attracted Christian than it is uh, to even be a, uh, a married um, heterosexual uh, God honoring couple. Mm. I know I've heard multiple people say very similar things on that. I know for a fact, Sam Alberry has mentioned that, uh, right. probably Preston and I'm Sprinkle. not confident enough. I, I was going to say Preston, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't have a quote on that. So I don't want to okay. 
want to actually say that, but several of them have said it. uh, And sympathizers as well have have said it as well. Uh, People like Russell Moore, not the thing that he said that specifically, but people of that nature. Uh, Right. And he did say that he would have loved to have married uh, someone like Hillary Clinton. So there's that, but (laughs) yeah. Talk about situation ethics. <laughs> well, talk about quotes that don't age well. Um, <laughs> Just it, like Hillary Clinton. Yep, exactly. It, but it, it's it, it's one of those things where the the foundations that we're about to go over in these these four <laughs> presuppositions to situation ethics. It, it it's amazing how almost all of woke ethics really rest upon situation ethics. I mean, it really is the woke ethic. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so think about these principles and think about how they, they develop and how people are using these principles to justify the positions that they're coming to. Th- that's how you need to, to, to really think about this. Um, it, when it comes to situation ethics, because the, Bill Fletcher said some horrendous things, of course, you know, mm-hmm. referring to Jesus as a Guinea pig and, and things like that. It, mm. It's it's really the foundation that he laid that has been so problematic that people have built on this foundation. Uh, but the first one is his pragmatism. The ends justify the means. And uh, what, what's wrong with that, Kyle, that the ends justify the means? The ends, I mean, I, I don't understand the logic there. Simply, I don't understand the logic. The ends don't justify the means. Uh, God set out his laws his moral law is for good and what what is paul saying shall we keep on sinning that grace may abound may it never be no we are to do good we are to do what god has said amen not uh hope because here's the biggest problem with the ends justify the means is you can't control the end only right. God can control the end. So when you rely on that, you will always inevitably lead to uh, Joseph Stalin or lead to Hitler or lead to, you know, name another horrifying mass murderer. Every time, because you can't control where it leads. So do That's good right. now. Do good in the immediate action trusting God to bring it to good action in time, not doing what, what you think you in your limited capacity, you and you were the Guinea pigs. Right. <laughs> Don't apply your Guinea pig logic because it will always fail. Well, it, you know, one of the things that Fletcher goes and and uses in his book, situation ethics to, to justify his ethic is he goes and he points out really terrible situations. Like uh, he, he points out some um, some doctors, and I hate to even call them doctors, but uh, so, some medical professionals, and really it's not even medical professionals, but uh, who, who were taking care of uh, women who were in concentration camps. And if they were pregnant, they were going to be killed. And so therefore the baby would die and the mother would die. And so what they would go and do is they would go and commit abortions and, and murder these children. And he would go and say, look, it's justifiable because the ends justify the means. So instead of going and actually, you know, killing 50 people 
you're actually saving 25 people's life or, or, or whatever the number is. When you go and you, you look at it that way is what Fletcher would say. Well, when he presents it in those ways, it, it, it almost seems uh, like it's attracting and drawing in. And, and why wouldn't we think through that? But, but here's the problem. The real ethical question, the real moral dilemma, is, or, or who is the culpability placed upon, it's not placed upon the, the women. It's not placed upon the child. It's not placed upon the doctor unless the doctor goes and commits the abortion, uh, the murder. It's placed upon the Nazi who has the gun. And he never asked the question, was the Nazi doing right or was the Nazi yeah. doing wrong? It's just ignoring yeah. it, being like that this couldn't be changed, that the Nazi had no uh, moral choice, even though they're the ones with their finger on the trigger. It, it, and so when you stop and you look at it in those kind of ways, we have to realize that we're to be responsible for the decisions that we make. And we have to go and to proclaim God's standard towards those who are potentially going to make the wrong decision or leaning towards making the wrong decision and putting the mm -hmm. judgment upon them for the moral, for the immoral decision that they made. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sam, you, uh, you asked a question, uh, why wouldn't, why wouldn't he, um, talk about the fact that the Nazi had the choice? Um, and there's a reason for that because ultimately Joseph Fletcher was a totalitarian, um, and an active supporter of the communist party USA. Um, he worked closely with the uh, communist party in Boston. Uh, he was a member of the World Peace Council, which was the main Soviet front um, for its era. Uh, this is the sort of person that he was. And so ultimately, um, it was a sort. it's also a sort of rules for thee, but not for me sort of situation mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Yep. Um, because ultimately he could say, well, you know, the, the most loving thing to do um, would be to promote my own well-being because I'm you know, that that's, I'm the object of my own love, you know, and he could potentially try to justify himself in, in that way. Um, and in fact, um, that is in many cases, what uh, tyrants and dictators do. That's how they justify mm -hmm. themselves um, because they love themselves above all other things, instead of recognizing that God has given us divine commands. Um, and those are not to be trifled with. We're not the most important things in our lives. We are not. He is. Um, but when you reject God, when you throw him out the window, um, as Joseph Fletcher ultimately did, I mean, he ended up admitting eventually that he was an atheist. Um, that's where you're left. Uh, you're left with moral relativism. You're left with um, the ends justifying the means. If you're going to try to promote some kind of pseudo ethic, that's, that's ultimately where everything ends up is in that kind of despairing um, situation-based decision-making, which is really ultimately, um, I mean, it's Darwinian in a sense. It is, yeah. um, it, it's, it's survival of the fittest. It, that really is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, to, to also come back to the question uh, that, that was presented through the situation, the dilemma that was presented with the Nazis we actually have a biblical example of what to do when a tyrant tells someone to kill children. Because in Exodus, the midwives were told by a tyrant, Pharaoh, to go and to kill the Hebrew children and the midwives. They said, no, we're not going to do it. They feared God and God blessed them because of that. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
I no, mean, but, we, we but have Sam, the answer. It's, yeah. yeah, but Sam, they lied to save those children. So aren't they just applying a form of situation ethics to their uh, to the command not to lie? Now, now you bring up a, a good point because this is one that people often bring up is that the Hebrew uh, midwives lied. Now, there, there's three different answers that I've seen to this, and, and two of them are, are the same answer. And one is, is that they didn't lie. One is, is that they, they just moseyed along until the babies were already born. And I think that's probably uh, it, within the context of, of what happened, that idea of them being lively is saying that, hey, we, we didn't even get there in time and they just had the children. They had the children before we got there, which w- was technically true. Uh, the, the second one was uh, something along the lines of the idea that the, the Hebrews actually would kind of fight off the, the midwives, not that the midwives would go and, and actually try to fight them, but they were like, hey, you know, we're we're on your side. We're not actually doing that. So they were lively also in that way. The, the third way is, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, he wrote the book, you know, it's a real original name, Christian Ethics, uh, Norm Gleiser. Uh, Norm Gleiser. In, in okay, with yeah. a, a hierarchy of decisions that are being made that uh, because this would would be a legalistic, still a moral legalistic term. That's that, that's what I mean by that. Not legalistic and trying to earn salvation uh, yeah. of of a hierarchy of decisions. And so this was a, a inappropriate thing to go and to say because it was uh, going and uh, subverting um, such a great evil uh, is, is that concept, which is also something that like Dietrich Bonhoeffer would stand by and things like that. I. I I'm probably more on the, uh, the, the, the stricter side of things and going and saying they should have moseyed uh, kind of a thing so that they weren't lying uh, with that and, and, not, and, and taking their time. That's probably the most that moseyed has been used on a podcast for 100 years, too. <laughs> um, I just kind of realized that, you know, uh, VHSs and moseying and, uh, you know, Blu-ray DVDs and five-star reviews, I'm, I'm, I'm up to, to date with the times. But uh, do you guys have anything else to add to that? Not to the Mosing um, list. Yeah, no, I was, oh, I was just going to add something else to the Mosing list. No. <laughs> um, well, I, 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 the way that um, Joseph Fletcher portrays everything ultimately is that, um, see, life is full of all sorts of different situations. It's, and and the, some of them are very, very hard. And, and so, um, and so you, you might be justified in committing what would have otherwise been a sin. Now, here's the reality. I mean, it's satanic. And I mean that literally, because if you if you go into Matthew chapter four and you see Satan tempting Jesus when Jesus is out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, what is Satan doing? Well, Jesus is obviously very hungry to the point where a normal person would probably consider themselves to be starving. Right. That's where he's at. And he has put his body under this extreme duress. And in, in, if he doesn't get something to eat at some point, um, obviously he's, you know, the idea is that the, the body it can't survive too long without food. Satan comes to Jesus then and tempts him and says, you know, command that these stones become bread. And ultimately, Jesus would have had to submit to Satan in order to do that, because Satan's the one who's commanding him to command the stones to become bread. And Jesus, despite the fact that he's in this situation, which is really hard, um, obviously he's 
near starving. Um, he's in this situation that's really, really hard. What does he do? He, he says no. He doesn't take that out, even though it's an easy out. He, he refuses and says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word yeah. that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that is ultimately how we as Christians should respond. That Jesus set the perfect example when it comes to situation ethics, um, because he didn't submit to situation ethics. He didn't make an exception for the rules for himself. Instead, yep. he followed what his father had always said from the beginning. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to follow what God has told us in the words of scripture. And that's it. That's our standard. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, he tries to make things nuanced right. that we can't know. And that, I mean, I mean, that's another one. Go listen to our radio episode and podcast episode on uh, standpoint epistemology, mm -hmm. because one, Joseph Fletcher is applying that, but th right. th they go hand in hand and they show a little, a lot about how, uh, wokeness has come to be and kind of how it's infested culture. Uh, but ultimately he's saying that everything is subjective. Whereas as Christians, we say, no, it is objective. God's law and standards do not budge, do not move. Even when we come across times when it's hard for us to know how to apply it. But the Bible is sufficient for untangling those situations, and that's the difference. We look for objective truth and untangle the situation. He lets the situation determine how he can selfishly apply ethics to his advantage. Right. And, and, and that's, that's exactly the second uh, presupposition that he has in situation ethics, and that is relativism. Now, it, it's a little bit different than relativism as we think of today, just in the sense that relativism today, it kind of more goes by the slogan, uh, I'm absolutely sure that there are no absolutes. Um, and his, his relativism is a relativism that there is one absolute, and that absolute is love. But of course, love is subjective. It's not defined um, in, in any real way. Uh, the only yeah. thing that is intrinsically good is love. Uh, according to any action is, in fact, any action is neither good nor bad. Uh, the loving thing to do is always the right thing to do. What's right or wrong, depending on a person's, not God's concept of these things, uh, and any action then can be justified if it is done in the name of agape love. Uh, and when I say that any action, I mean that he, in his book, Situation Ethics, he literally defends um, adultery with, with this uh, point in relativism. And, and so, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous because you start to use examples. I, I've had people criticize me before saying like, why do you go to the extreme examples? And I'm going, I'm actually using the examples that Fletcher used. Yeah, that's that's a scary thing. That's what people need to understand. He wasn't afraid to take it to its logical conclusion. Right. Now, do you, how does relativism, guys, how, how does this play with the woke today? Are the woke, you know, do they believe in relativism? <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, 
Kyle, um, you had a great discussion with Dr. Bill Roach about this very thing, um, standpoint mm-hmm. epistemology. Um, again, for those of you who haven't seen it um, or listened to it, uh, go check it out. Um, and uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about how standpoint theory ties into uh, this kind of relativism that is so important to situation ethics. Well, so standpoint theory as the the most um, quick basic reminder is the idea that you have your truth, uh, what you see from your standpoint. And this is not an objective standard of you're only viewing a piece of the pie. It is from your standpoint, you have your truth and it is just as valid as someone else's truth. Well, that's true for you, but that's not true for me. Uh, and again, the, the, the talking about the woke in a modern sense and talking about Fletcher and situation ethics, uh, you should be able to see kind of the, the current and the trajectory that we're going on because when everything is arbitrary, you have no objective standard to lean on. Everything is about being winsome and nuanced. Uh, you know, you can get... In, in a little thing that's been blowing up recently of Phil Vischer uh, on going on a tirade on Twitter because he hasn't realized that he just needs to get off Twitter, but it allows us to see into <laughs> his mind uh, on abortion and how abortion isn't actually, oh, no, no, no. It's not actually wrong per se. You've got to understand the nuance of it. You've got to understand the perspectives on things you've got to understand this and that and he's again he's applying both standpoint epistemology and uh situation ethics because he's saying there is not an objective standard that we can appeal to and we have to look at the situation to determine if it is morally wrong or not and then he brings in the loving thing what is the justification? Well, we've got to find the loving thing to do in this situation. What is loving for the mother? What is loving for the, you know, X, Y, and Z? And then he'll throw out red herrings on that. Of Well, what about in this other disconnected situation? Would you apply that same logic? Would you uh, love there? And it's all, it's a shell game. Right. And that, to a large degree, is how I would describe situation ethics. It's, it's a shell game uh, to justify whatever you desire and then hide that as love. It is the ultimate perversion of love. It's yeah. hating in the name of love. Right. Or it's, it's selfishness in the name of love. Right. It, 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 and it's interesting the way that you describe this with, with Phil Vischer because – uh, you, you came to this, uh, basically you're walking down um, situation ethics. You, you know, it's it's pragmatism. The ends justify the means. That's mm-hmm. that's ultimately what is his premise is. And then a second premise is, is that it's it's relative. And it goes in uh, to this whole idea of, of love and that love is the only absolute is what he's looking for. So he's looking for what is love, but then he justifies the evil through love. And we call that positivism. Uh, it's this idea of its logic is justified or proven by the means of love. 
And so he's going and and, and that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, yeah. the, the ruling norm of Christian decision is love, nothing else. Therefore, love overrules all laws, including God's law. And that's exactly what Phil Vischer was saying. <laughs> to a T. Yeah. Which is I scary. Mean. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's literally going through the thought process of Joseph Fletcher, who, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if, if you haven't caught it so far through this, this podcast, uh, it, it's been brought up several times. I mean, he won Humanist of the Year, Humanist Laureate. I mean, he, he's he's a humanist. He ends as an atheist humanist his life while still promoting this. Uh, yeah. He was an open supporter of the Communist Party, a supporter of eugenics. Uh, both both Kyle and Micah brought these, these things up. It, he's not a guy that you should pattern ethics around. He's okay with murdering no. children up to eight years old. And yet the creator of VeggieTales is thinking like Fletcher. And, that, and just to really emphasize it, because this is where once you start, once you detach it from objective reality, once you attach it from uh, the objectivity of God's law, you will not might, but you will eventually given enough time. Now, again, some people progress at slower rates than others. Some people still have a fear of God within them that holds them back from total depravity. But, Parents of children with Down syndrome have no reason to feel guilty about putting a Down syndrome baby away, whether it's put away in the sense of hidden in a sanatorium or in a more responsible, lethal sense. It is sad, yes, dreadful, but it carries no guilt. And uh, there's something that's important. He made a distinction between being something being sad and dreadful and guilt. Uh, true guilt arises only from the offense against a person, and a Downs is not a person. That's where it leads wow. you. Yeah. Despicable. He, yeah. I mean, he's literally a Nazi. He would make some of the Nazi scientists blush. Uh, and this was ex- exploding in the po- post-war era. Mm-hmm. Shocking. It did yeah, not well, we defeated long. one enemy just to essentially um, end up promoting a worse enemy, in a sense. I mean, if you think about it this way, um, I mean, the the logic of situational ethics has led to the deaths of millions and millions and millions, tens and tens of millions, dozens of millions mm-hmm. of unborn children. Um, the Holocaust was really bad, but there's a Holocaust going on against the unborn mm-hmm. right now. And it's thanks to Joseph Fletcher. I mean, this guy, if you think about it in the in terms of what he inspired, it, I mean, I, I have to say he seems on par with a Stalin or a Hitler. He just does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and, yeah. And that's the scary fact, thing. Much, per, potentially more dangerous than them because they're still yep. the Christian veneer. You know? Yeah. So. Well, that, yeah, and that's that's the scary thing because we defeated the Nazis uh, militarily, but we didn't defeat them ideologically. Instead, right. and we of partnered denouncing, with the destroying their ideologies. We brought in the Darwinist, Marxist, Nietzschean thought, and then expanded upon it. Right. It- and as some of you might be listening and you might be going, well, okay, I I mean, I, I did grow up watching Veggie Tales, but I, I'm total pro-life and I 
and I disagree with Phil Vischer and, and I don't know where he went off on, on that frame. And so I'm glad that you guys are calling out Phil Vischer, but like, I, I would never fall into situation ethics. If, if that's your mindset here, let me point out the fourth presupposition of situation ethics, because this is where a lot of people get caught up in, in thinking situation ethics. This is what he, he says. It's personalism is what he defines it as. And it's treating people as ends and never as means. And that sounds really good. The problem is, is that when you come to a moral dilemma, what he's saying is that we need to consider the ends of people. So now it becomes an other's ethic, which once again, I understand it's sounding good. But the issue is, is that we need to be thinking about what does God say? God doesn't come into his thought process on ethics. Yep. So let me mm -hmm. give you an example. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're standing before the king. If they have situation ethics and the king says, look, when all these instruments play, everybody goes and bows down and they worship the image that I made. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know this king is crazy. Nebuchadnezzar was in, in, insane. Okay. Just like read some of the stuff he has. And he would have been willing to kill anybody who's associated with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Potentially. If they ticked him off. It wasn't just themselves that they were putting in danger. So if they're thinking situation ethics, they're going and saying, you know what? I'm going to bow down. But what if you go and say, well, you're reading too much in the, into the situation. Okay. Well, let me go and put it this way. What if they said this? If I get thrown into the flaming fire, into the furnace, and I die, who's going to be here to share the gospel with other people? So I might as well bow down and worship this false god so mm. that I can go and share the gospel later. That's situation Cultural ethics. capital. Yeah, it, it, that, that's situation mm. ethics right there. Instead, though they give us an example of biblical ethics, they go and they say, look, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down because we're thinking of what pleases God, not what pleases you, because it's not about what we can foresee here on the earth in thinking about just others, though we should care about other people. What we're looking at is what does eternity say? What does mm -hmm. God say? And we're thinking of an eternal ethic. And so our goal is to please him no matter who it ticks off or inconveniences on this earth. Amen. But, but it's, it's really important because how do we, how do we think about ethics? How, how, when we come into a moral dilemma, do we stop and think about what does God say about this? Or do we think, how's it going to impact Joe Schmo? How's it going to impact my neighbor? How's it going to impact my coworker? Or do we first ask, what does God say? And then come to others. We need to think of God first, yeah. then others. Amen. God's going to take care of people a lot better than you can. Again, you can't control the ends. Only God can control the ends. Obey him and trust that he is who he claims to be. And if he's who he claims to be, then he's got this. Right. It, you know, guys, just to kind of wrap this up here, a quick review. Uh, situation ethics, uh, situationism, it's used today in the woke church to promote same-sex attraction, right? L mm -hmm. Love is love. Um, 
And, and so, well, well, okay, maybe that's that's a little further than than same sex attraction, the love is love thing. Uh, but same sex attraction is that we need to go into love our 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 gay born Christian uh, brethren who are just struggling with this sin, as opposed to going and telling them to mortify the flesh. And so we yeah. go and we. Uh, we, we say it, it, it's okay. You can have these desires. You can have these lusts. You can, you, you can, you, you can just have all this this burning in, in your in your lust and in your flesh. And we're going to say that it's okay, and you're just called a singleness. Well, that's not even loving your neighbor. Uh, another way is, of course, we've talked about this quite a bit, uh, is that the whole idea of abortion. But but let me put it in the way that the nine Marxist, I mean nine marks, uh, say it in. Uh, in, in Mark Dever and Jonathan Lehman, which interesting coincidence, uh, Jonathan Lehman also went to the London School of Economics, much like Joseph Fletcher. Mm. Uh, yeah, hmm. If you look up the London School of Economics, mm. you'll go, hmm. Um, we should do a whole episode on that sometime of, of the Fabian Socialists. But uh, and, and nonetheless, uh, they were in a, a panel. And what, what did they say? They said, look, you can be pro-life and vote for somebody who's uh, uh, who's not for um, the life of the child in the womb because they're for the life of somebody outside the border. And that's pro-life, too. Mm. That's situation ethics. Seared consciences. Yeah. Uh, It's it's insane. uh, One, Lehman, his whole we got to preserve our cultural capital. Is this really the, the fight that we want to expend our cultural capital on? Um, again, go <laughs> back to the bank. in the bank somewhere. Yeah, we, we've just got some cultural capital set aside in the bank somewhere. And it's, we've got 31,000 of them, guys. So we, we can only spend them, you know, in, in these areas. And this costs, you know, a thousand, a thousand, you know, capital. It's like really, really, it's just a tool to try to get people to, be persuaded that you know the the bible standard um isn't worth the cost that's really what it he is turned he turned situation ethics into a currency yeah. he believes well, that he can collect the currency by applying it and then cash it out later unfortunately he's going to find that the exact opposite is what happens right and and i'm not trying to um cast judgment that I believe Jonathan Lehman is saved because I don't. Can you imagine getting to heaven and looking tens of millions, hundreds of millions of children in the eye who were murdered, ripped limb from limb in their mother's womb and saying, you know, we just didn't have the cultural capital. I didn't want to spend it there. I wanted to go fight environmental justice. All excuses fail at the feet of Jesus. That's right. Woke also used situational ethics and racial reparations. Um, it, it, it is the woke ethic, ultimately. It's, it's what they're using. Uh, do, do you guys have any closing thoughts? Well, I mean, personally, I just encourage people that Obedience to God and God's law is so much better. I mean, if you really believe uh, in Romans, where it says that uh, 
all things work out for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you truly believe that, that's not a call that you're going to get something good in the sense of like, yay, I got this happy thing. No, it, it's it's a call to self-sacrifice and trust. You trust God that even if in the end your life here on this earth was ripped apart and destroyed, that you'd still ultimately gain because you will be with Christ. So you're going to serve him here and now, trusting that he's going to build good things out of it. You're investing not in yourself. You're investing not in society. You're investing in God's will. You're a participant with him in accomplishing his will, not yours, not trying to parse out uh, the nuance of every issue, but you're trying to parse out the, the reality of God's law. And it will bring glory to his name. It will see souls brought to salvation. And ultimately, it will lead you to true happiness and joy because you will be living in the hope of Christ. That's right. Amen. You know, in 1 John 1, uh, the Apostle John tells us that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And ultimately, God is the epitome of goodness itself. He is the standard from which yeah. all objective morality comes. Um, it is his commands that are perfect. Um, his commands revive our souls. And so it is to him that we must look and not to these other things. It's not yeah. to the situation. If we put our minds on the situations at hand and we don't look to Christ, then we're going to ultimately fail in our endeavors. And so just want to encourage all of you who are listening to keep that in your mind when situation ethics rears its ugly head, when you're tempted into sin and you're tempted to justify it that way, don't give in. Remember that God has provided a way out through the grace of his Holy Spirit and he has given you the commands of life and you, you can find them in scripture. They're right there. Um, all you have to do is read it and you have to meditate upon it and understand it and put it into practice. Um, and we would just encourage you guys to do that. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Wikipedia podcast. Uh, remember to go to email us at contact Wikipedia. And I, I think I say this, you know, pretty simply, uh, go to enemies within the church.com. Get that Blu-ray DVD because it really does discuss situation ethics in the movie Enemies within the church. One of the one of the few major projects to really tackle this and take this on, and of course, ultimately, the entirety of the movie is going against situation ethics because mm -hmm. it's a call to repent from sin, to return to God's standard, His law, and His word, and to go and to hold fast to God's word. So, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and also, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you haven't repented from your sin, you haven't turned to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to do that today. Do this what it says in Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And then it gives us a promise. Then thou shalt be saved. It says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have not done that today, I want to beg with you and I plead with you. 
do that because it is the only way to be saved from the wrath that is to come. Keep standing for the truth. And don't go woke.